can. Oh, my goodness. I wonder what's going on in heaven right now. I wonder what's going on up there. Well, I don't know either. Uh, I wonder if they know what's going on here. You think they do? Do you think they witness our lives and are they aware of our decisions and our actions? So come on, now think about it. Okay, Stay with me now. Now, there's a story in the New Testament about the rich man and Lazarus. Heard the story? Okay, the rich man uh, died and he went to hell. He didn't go to hell because he's rich. He went to hell because he didn't know Jesus. All right, then there was a poor man. He died and went to heaven. He didn't go to heaven because he's poor. He went to heaven because he trusted the Lord. Anyway, okay, let's go back to the story. Now, the rich man uh, was in hell, and the Bible says, and he lifted up his eye, opened his eyes, being in torments, and then he, he said to Father Abraham, that's Bible code, Old Testament code for, for God the Father, uh, we would... Today, if, as we understand the Bible, we would say Jesus. You say, really? Yeah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, yeah. So, the rich man opened his eyes in hell, and he spoke to Jesus on the other side of the gulf. Are you getting this processed? All right. And so, he said to him, send somebody back to my brothers. Go tell my brothers so they won't come here. And then Jesus, God, the, the Father, said... Uh, that won't work because even if somebody came back from the dead, they wouldn't believe because they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they've got the Bible and preachers. You with me? So they wouldn't, un they wouldn't hear and believe even if somebody came back from the dead. Boy, that nails us today because many people and probably some watching us have decided they're not going to believe in Jesus despite the fact that you've had the Bible and you've had the preaching of God's Word. So just, be, just a cautionary note there. Anyway, so there is some interchange, something that goes on between heaven and earth and hell. And, and There is something. I don't know what it is, even though there is a dimensional barrier gulf that's fixed between us and eternity. But still, there is some things that go back and forth. I don't know how much. I don't know what. I wonder sometimes, does my dad, uh, does he see what, what, what I'm doing? And I would be glad when I'm doing good, something good. <laughs> but what if I'm doing something bad? Does dad look down from heaven and see? Uh, how, oh, here's a good one. How many of you have a, have a spouse that has died and has gone to heaven and you've remarried? Come on. Come on. What do you think? Okay, do you see where I'm going with this? Do they know what's going on? Do they see? Do they? Okay. I don't know. I'm just, I'm raising a lot of questions here this, this, uh, this morning. Or this, it seems like it's night, doesn't it? I mean, we, we're on daylight savings time removal today, so all of us, it's later than we're used to being up. Now, Jesus says in the, in the Bible, he, he said, there's rejoicing in heaven uh, um, uh, in the presence of the angels whenever a sinner comes to, to, to salvation, okay? And uh, I, I, I thought, oh, boy, those angels are rejoicing every time somebody gets saved. No, read it carefully. It says there's rejoicing in heaven in the presence of the angels in heaven. So who's rejoicing in the presence of the angels? I think it's the born-again believers, the, those in heaven that have gone on. 
those of our loved ones, our, our daddies and our mamas and our grandmas and our grandpas that are there. I think they're rejoicing whenever somebody on earth gets saved. But again, that's information that's leaking from across the dimension, that's going across the gulf that's fixed. So there is something to think about. I don't know all the answers. I'm going to try to hold up today both sides of the problem and let you figure it out. Now, in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 9, John the Revelator, John the Apostle, was in heaven, and he's being given this, the book of Revelation to write. Jesus is dictating it to him. He's, he's showing him visions, and John is writing, and he says, and now write this down, and so John is writing. And as he writes the story of Revelation, he looks around heaven, and he sees under the throne of God there are martyrs, those who have died for their faith in the Lord, and those martyrs are crying out for justice. Think about that. They're saying, God, go back there and kick their hind ends. Work, be, you know, go back and avenge, bring vengeance upon those, those people that have killed us. Go back. So, again, there is a lot going on in heaven we don't quite understand. Uh, and the digger, deeper we dig into this, the more con- sometimes the more confusing the interplay between heaven and earth and hell and earth, it becomes. It's not as simple as one might think. Now, here's the problem. Would you and I be perfectly joyful in heaven if we knew everything was going on on earth? Ooh, that's a problem, isn't it? If we knew everything that was going on, would would we be joyful? Well, the Bible says we are joyful in heaven. So if there is... If we did were to know everything that's going on and we were joyful at the same time, that's a, 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 a confusing thing that we're going to have to sort out. So here's, here's where I've come down on this. I think to sum it up, I believe that those people in heaven are sometimes allowed by God to know certain things that won't affect their joy, but they're, they're, they're aware of certain things. I don't know that it's details. I don't know if it's... Uh, you know, moment by moment. See, people in heaven are not omniscient. They're not like God. They don't know everything. They don't see everything like God. All right? They're, they're just like us, except they're in heaven. So they, they don't know everything. But they are, they're allowed to know sometime, some things. Now, here's, here's where I come down on this. This is where I, I, I've... I, this is my answer here. Is in heaven, I'm going to be interested in experiencing the greatest person that has ever existed in the history of the universe. I'm talking about the one that made the universe, the one that knows all the songs of the angels, that named every star out there. I'm going to get to hang out with him. I don't care what's going on down here. Yeah, I don't care. Oh, yeah, you've got some more grandkids? Great, I'll see them after a while. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm not having with Jesus now. I'm going to be with him forever in eternity. Woo, I mean, it's going to be great, but don't bother me now. I'm looking at Jesus. Okay, that's kind of where I come down on this. I don't think we're very interesting to those in heaven at all compared to that. All right. Now, let me say this to you because some of you have kind of struck an emotional chord here with some. I noticed this morning when I was preaching some, when I talked about what's going on in heaven, I saw some tears. I want you to know this. If you've got loved ones in heaven, they still love you. They love you. They love you probably more than they did even when they were here. They still love you. 
no matter what you've done, no matter who you've remarried and where, how you're living, they still love you. And they're waiting to be reunited with you. They're, they're just looking forward to that. See, they know in heaven that all things are going to work together for good to them that love the Lord. And they have the perspective of eternity. So they can look and see that the crises, the troubles, the disappointments that you're experiencing now are working together to forming you into an eternal creature that they'll get to be with forever. And they know that. So they, you may be in a hard time now, but they see what that's, what that's going to do for you. So there's joy in heaven, despite the fact that it may not be so joyful here. They understand how it's going to work out. Now, the writer of Hebrews, we've been all, what is this, early, late fall, we've been all fall and most of the summer work, walking through the book of Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews has talked to, today, he's going to talk about a great cloud of witnesses. That's what led me to, to have this sort of an introduction. We've got this great cloud of witnesses. And he starts out his chapter here, chapter 12 is where we are today. What The first word, somebody tell me what the first word is. Therefore. And what do I tell you about therefore? You better find out what it's there for, all right? Okay, so the, it starts out with therefore. What's it referring to? Chapter 11. Chapter 11 is all being said, and then when he starts 12, he says therefore. So in other words, this is, that's, my, that's my application, my explanation. Now, here's what I'm telling you. Okay, it's therefore. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, therefore, there's a great cloud of witnesses. And in Hebrews 11, you know, we walk through all those people who, who did this and who did that and who did powerful things and, and still the mouths of lions. And, you know, we read all that beautiful language in, in 11. And so then the writer says, therefore, uh, we're encompassed by a great cloud of witnesses. And we'll read that a little bit clearer here in just a moment. <clears throat> Now, today, when we come to this point of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, next week, I'll be again in Hebrews chapter 12. Hopefully, if the Lord willing, the three Sundays from now, I'll be in chapter 13 and we'll end or finish our study. I'm not promising that, but that's my plan at this point. But we are now in the beginning to the closing arguments. Like if a lawyer was making his case... He's now at closing arguments. And he's going to summarize it, and he's going to say, look, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He's better, than, he's better than Moses. He's better than angels. He's better than the law. He's better than the priestly. He's better than the priests. He's better than Abraham. He's better than everything. Jesus is better. He's making that case. And then he makes the case. We picked up in verse 11, chapter 11. He says that, Living by faith is the way to victory. And I tried to make that case the last time I preached, that living by faith is the way to, to joy and for victory. And if you want to learn, if you want to live in joy, trust the Lord. Let him lead you and live by faith. And then in chapter 11, of course, we have that list of those that follow the Lord. And then we're going to talk about that great cloud of witnesses today. All right. That's sort of the introduction. I'm getting ready to preach now, okay? So don't start your clocks yet. You know, if, you, if a preacher can only preach 15 or 20 minutes, don't start it yet. We'll get it. <clears throat> Guys, it's hard to be, to not be discouraged in this world. Have you noticed that yet? This world is discouraging. Uh, I know this week 
we get a chance to go to the polls and we get the chance to cast our ballots. I just hope that when we do, that things change. Uh, I'm not looking to, to Washington to change our world, whether it's red or blue. I'm looking to God to change our world. And it, it, it appears, it seems to me, that we are in the hand of God's judgment. I wish we were in the hand of God's discipline. And I'll talk about, about that more. I worry that we're not in the hand of his discipline any longer. I worry that we're in the hand of his judgment. I hope I'm wrong. And we, again, let's move on. Because it's hard to not be discouraged in our world today. And I don't have to make a, read you a list of things you know what I mean. But see, we're not the first to be tested in, the, in our world. We're not alone in our fight. I know many of you are, in, are fighting the fight. You're in this faith battle, and you're in it. I mean, you are in it to win it. And, and sometimes you feel like you're alone in this battle, but you are not alone. There are others. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. The Sock River Cowboy Church is one of the most wonderful amazing groups of people I have ever been associated with. You love each other. You care for each other. You email, you visit, you, you know, you, when one's down, you pick up, uh, you pray. I'm so honored to get to be your pastor. It means it's the greatest thing I've ever got to be a part of is this congregation. And I bless you, but we are not, you're not alone in this fight. If you're hurting, this church will come and stand beside you. We're not perfect. We'll let, some, we'll let you down sometimes, probably. We don't want to. But I want to tell you what, Jesus will never fail you. Somebody say something. But we're not alone in this fight. We're surrounded. You are surrounded in this church, in this congregation. You are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that will lift you up and hold you up when you're down, when you're discouraged. Even if you're failing, even, and if you're succeeding, this church will stand by you. So we're going to be dealing today with, with discouragement a little bit. How do we keep from being discouraged? Uh, discouragement is pretty well worldwide right now, especially in the Western world. It's a discouraging set of events. There are a discouraging set of events going on. How do we keep from being discouraged? Would you get your Bible now, turn to, to Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll begin with verse 1. And we'll read these words, therefore. <laughs> what have I taught you about therefore? What's it therefore? When you find therefore in the Bible, you better find out what it's there for. Okay, it's referring to chapter 11. All right, it's looking back. You've, you've been reading through chapter 11. Then he starts chapter 12 by saying therefore, because of what you just read in chapter 11. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let's just stop there. Because... We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We just went through them in chapter 11. We talked about every one of them. Go back and reread it if you want to know what he's talking about. That's the cloud of witnesses. It doesn't include just them. It also includes us. It, and, and from the Bible, the time the Bible was finished till today is about 2,000 years plus, And there have been many more witnesses that have come on the line since that, through that time. <clears throat> so how do we keep from being discouraged? We have to look around you. Look around you. We are surrounded 
by a cloud of witnesses and we look around. We're not alone in this fight. But there's nothing worse than feeling lonely, feeling alone. Like if you're the only one experiencing this sickness or this punishment or this setback, if you're the only one, then you would just feel horrible. But you are not alone. There are many people who are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, many faithful people are running along with us in our life. Ma, just look around. You've got people running beside you, holding you up, praying for you, lifting you up. Some are behind and some are ahead. Yeah. You've got some running that, that are ahead of you and they've got some running behind you and they're all running to help you. See, there's danger in a sense of isolation, but the encouragement here is to look around you. There, there are many who are on our side. There are many who are, on, who are with you, holding your arms, praying for you, fighting for you. <clears throat> uh, do you remember e Elisha's servant? Remember that? He saw <clears throat> the angel army that was encircling the camp, and he was encouraged. Um, Elijah told God that he was the only faithful one left. God said, no, you're not the only faithful one left. There are many who have not bowed a knee to Baal. You're not alone. And so we need to look around and see that we are not alone in this. Then the strategies that say um, <clears throat> that let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and the sin that so easily entangles. Um, step one will be to decide what's hindering you. Is it a, de a delayed decision? Is it an action that needs to be taken? Is it a relationship that needs mending? Is it a debt that needs to be repaid? Um, throw it off. It's a strategy. And then run with perseverance. Um, Stop defaulting to negative thoughts and actions and find the joy in your life. Some people have chronic anger and they've it embraced and they chew on it constantly. You know anybody like that? Chronically angry and they just keep chewing on it. Throw it off. So how do you do that? Well, you give it to the Lord and then you run with perseverance, the race marked out for you. <clears throat> Someday... Some say the Lord can't run the race today. I can't today, Lord. I'm too busy. I can't love you today, Lord. I'm too hungover. But we are to run the race with perseverance. Run the race marked out for us. Um, <clears throat> would you pray with me for just a moment? Mark, would you pray for just a moment here, please? And... Uh Give our pastor the words that we need to hear right now, Lord. Help him in this moment right now so that we seek you and we seek your guidance and we seek your strength and we seek your power. We are ever so thankful for our church, our church family, our friends, our neighbors. God, that we are so blessed that we get to worship Jesus in a free country. Oh, yeah. And Lord, we know that, that there is a cloud of witnesses, God, that is watching and encouraging us and saying, go, go, go. Spread the name of Jesus. Declare the name of Jesus. Sing the name of Jesus. Let Jesus be lifted up. High and lifted up. And all men be drawn to Him. And that's what we want. And so, Father, just bless our pastor now. Encourage his heart. In Jesus, protect him from any uh, 
assailants and assaults from the enemy. And we know that Jesus is here right now in a powerful way through the Holy Spirit. And we are thankful for that. And in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. So today I'm trying to finish uh, the book of, of Hebrews. Let's go back now and, uh, uh, and pick up uh, our, our reading here. And again, in verse, um, in verse 4, if you will. In your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as father, addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord's discipline, the Lord disciplines the one He loves, and He chastens everyone who accepts Him as Son. Uh, endure hardship, as endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover. We have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them as for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits who live and live? They disciplined us for a while as though they, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, amen, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. For those who have been trained for it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make, your, make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. Let's talk now just a moment. Let's talk about enduring hardship as discipline. See... How many of you feel like you would rather God not discipline you? Yeah, uh, me too. I say, Lord, I'm going to pass on that if you don't mind. Now, I know so-and-so over there. He needs a little of that. So, you know, give my portion to so-and-so. But it says we are to endure, endure hardship as discipline. And, but we need to realize that God is treating us as his children. Um, I don't know about you, but, but my children, I showed them discipline by loving them. And sometimes by loving them, I had to show them discipline. Are you, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't seem... I remember when my parents would discipline us, us boys. Uh, it didn't seem like love at the time. <laughs> but we know that a good father disciplines his children. And God loves you so much, and he disciplines you. It, it, if, it says if you're disciplined, everyone... Uh, undergoes discipline, then you're, then you're legitimate. You know that you're truly one of God's children when the hand of discipline is on you. And uh, none of us likes it. Nobody wants it. But when the hand of God's discipline is on us, we know it. Um, uh, whenever our fathers disciplined us and we respected him for it, how much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. Oh, my goodness. God, I, I, I know you're doing it for my good, and so I can share in your holiness. But, Lord, I don't know that I want to be that good. You ever feel like that sometimes? The discipline that comes from God. Sometimes we, 
We don't want it. But we share in his holiness. Holiness is a process that, that we run through. Holiness is, is being a preacher and finding out that your notes are wrong in the wrong place. And, and you're, you're being disciplined for, for, see, but we go through these things with God so that we know and that we can trust him. And he's disciplining us and showing us what, what we want to do. And everyone undergoes discipline. And at times we don't feel like, or we feel like we're alone. And if I had to ask you today, raise your hand if you feel like you're alone in God's discipline. There'd be a lot of hands go up in there. I felt that too. I said, God, why are you picking on me? And the truth of it is, he's not just picking on me. That we're all disciplined by the Lord uh, when his hand is upon us. Because then you are, because if you're not being disciplined, if there are times when you are, are not being disciplined, you are not legitimate child of God. Those that God loves, he disciplines. He will work in your life in ways. Um, and I always go back, I'm a gardener. I love to grow gardens. And tomatoes, I think, are my favorite thing to grow in the garden. And I know that when you plant a, a tomato bush, tomato plant, that if you just let it go, give it all the fertilizer it wants, give it all the water it wants, all the sun it wants, it just turns into a big old bush, right? Full of blooms sometimes, but just a big old bush. I don't like blooms. I like fruit. <laughs> I like ripe red tomatoes. So what a good gardener does is he begins to discipline that tomato plant, and he'll cut back the suckers and, and cut off all the uh, extraneous growth that, that you don't want. And when you thin it down and it doesn't grow extraneous, it grows fruit, and that's what you want. You want the tomato. And so we know that God disciplines his children. So if you're experiencing today some of God's discipline in your life, I want you to know God doesn't discipline somebody else's kids. He disciplines his own children. So be thankful for that. So we're all disciplined, and, and we respect them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They, dis, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems painful, doesn't it? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. I don't know where you are today, and I don't know what's going on in your life. But I do know this. If you love the Lord, and he, and he loves you, then he's going to be doing disciplined work in your life. He's going to be taking this off and that off. And it's not comfortable, is it? It's not comfortable for, for our lives when things happen that we, we don't want or we don't approve of. But we know that when we're in the hand of God, when God's hand is in our life, he's going to be taking things out that, going to, that hinder us and stop us. So watch for God's hand in your life. I don't know what he's doing in your life. I really don't. I don't know what he's taking out of your life. But I promise you one thing, if you're his kid... He is. He's at work. So whatever you're dealing with, look for God in it. Look for his hand in it and, and thank him for it. If you don't know the Lord today, I pray that you would, would you, we would give your life to Jesus. I pray today that you would give up on yourself, give up on your, your own plans, your own abilities, and trust him. 
Let him be your Lord today. If, if you know the Lord today, you, you know the greatest experience in this world. You know hope. You know that your future is locked in, in with him in heaven. But today, if you don't know him, you, you stand at a very dangerous place because eternity is long and you will need to choose today whom you're going to serve. You say, choose today? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. There is a time, that we, 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 an appointed time when we come to the Lord. An appointed time when the door is open in our heart. And there's a time for you to come to the Lord. That may be your today. You today. That may be your time. And so today, if you're feeling God's call, if you feel an emptiness in you, and you, you're looking for something to, to fold your life around, won't you come to Jesus today? You say, preacher, how do I do that? Well, first of all, you've got to admit you can't do it by yourself. Say, Lord, I, I just can't do that. And he'll say, I know, you never could. And then say, Lord, would you come in and be my Savior, my Lord? I lay down my life, and I receive you into my heart. If you'll do that today, you will discover that he will move in, he will guide, he will guard, and he will make your life make sense. Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. I pray, Father, today that, that you would take these stumbling words from your word and then from mine that I've interpreted it. And I pray, Lord, you'd apply them to people's lives and their hearts. I pray, God, today that deeply, deeply in our souls, we would, would, make, would answer the question, am I right with God or not? Is my life on track or is it not? I pray that this would be the day that people would come to you and give their life. In Jesus, I pray, amen.